Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, would you open it up to Exodus chapter 3? Exodus chapter 3, and you can even, if you want, glance at Exodus chapter 2 a little bit, as it will no doubt help us understand the context of what is going on in the life of a man named Moses. We want to welcome you, however you're watching. We had a a record high number of people tuning in to the 9 a.m. service, which tells us there's a lot that are still staying home and still sick. So can we welcome those that are uh, home watching with us online? We want to say hello and uh, make sure to check in and say hi as well. But as we begin, open your Bibles, if you would, Exodus chapter 3. And we are continuing, this is week 2 of 21 days of fasting and prayer. We are partnering with our Foursquare leadership, our denomination, and all around the country, all around the world, in fact, in the body of the Foursquare gospel, um, we are fasting and praying for our families, for our homes, for our cities, our communities. We're fasting for God to do something new over this 21 days. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like, oh, I didn't know we started that. You know what? We're only in day seven. All right. In the Bible, we see fasts that are one day, three days. We, we see people fast for seven days. We, we, we see that Jesus fasted for 40 days. So don't think for a minute you have missed the boat and you can't jump on in. Uh, we want to encourage you to take part in some way, shape, or, for, or form as we uh, fast for 21 days and we pray. I, I love um, every year. How many of you got a chance, whether online or in, in, last year or this year, you got a chance to enjoy our Christmas Eve service? Would you throw your hand up, right? A couple, like, we're, go back like three, four weeks ago. That is one of my favorite services every year here at Cornerstone. And what I love most about it is at the very end, ever since I was a little kid, we would, at the end of service, take the candle and we do what, right? We light the candle and we sing that very, uh, that, that last song at the end. I don't think we've ever done a different song. We sing, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And that is a wonderful moment for me. Every year I look forward to that. But then something happens after Christmas Eve. You know, we, we go home for a bit, we, we celebrate New Year's, we turn the page on a new calendar year. And unfortunately, far too often, if we aren't intentional in our faith, something can happen where uh, I mentioned that sometimes we walk through life spiritually and we have our candle from Christmas Eve that, that represents the joy that we have found in Christ. But more often than not, we, if we're not careful or intentional, we may hold that candle a little too low, right? We don't necessarily hold it up with a sense of boldness and excitement about what Jesus has come to do. Or we may be in a place where that, that candle of our faith has just turned into maybe more of a flicker, not something that illuminates anything, or sometimes we even go back to just living the way we were before Christmas with where our flame, that little candle, is extinguished completely. You know, we, we, we go to church. We can hop in and visit online from time to time. We can just check in. And often, if you've been in church long enough, like I have, you learn how to talk and sound like a Christian, 
right? They call that like Christianese, right? Isn't it interesting that Christians, like we, we have a vocabulary like no one else. We just can say things that, that, that just, you know, other people can go like, I, you're, you're speaking English, but I have no idea what you just said, right? And it's easy if you've been in church long enough to pick up on some of those Christianese, uh, Christianese sayings that we, we tend to throw out there from time to time. But what you and I need each and every year as we roll into the next calendar year, we need to be praying and fasting for a new encounter with our God, a fresh encounter, a, a, a fresh movement, a life-changing, a life-transforming encounter with our God. That is our prayer for you. That is our president, Randy Remington, his prayer for the movement of Foursquare as a denomination, that we would experience 21 days of prayer and fasting. And in that time, you would experience a life-altering, life-transforming encounter with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords. We're going to look at a very famous uh, encounter in the Bible that you probably have read about many times or heard about in Exodus chapter 3, where in, in all of Scripture, it's an encounter of God that's a pretty popular, pretty talked about encounter. And as we do, I want to keep in mind as we begin the context of what has transpired in the life of Moses. Moses, as we know, we hear his story, we, we know about his leadership, how he eventually goes on to lead the Israelites, but in this chapter of Scripture, in this portion, this season of his life, we're going to read about how things have possibly not gone the way Moses had thought they would. This encounter that Moses had... Uh, it comes right after a, a season. Could we say it like this? Has anybody ever felt like you are in a season of drought, um, a season of wondering, a season of wilderness? Maybe you even, I'll be honest, even on Monday, we started this prayer and fasting, and in certain ways, I felt like spiritually we were just attacked in a certain way in our household, right? Have you ever walked through where it's like, God, I, I'm trying to, to do something new. God, I'm seeking you. And then right away, you come up against an enemy. You come up against things spiritually that you don't really have an answer for. Maybe something is happening in your life where maybe like Moses, you just have a, it's a season of loneliness. Um, it's a season of anxiety and worry that you can't really even identify a season of sadness, a season of heartbreak, a, a season of depression. Maybe you're here this morning and Moses goes through this, this span of his life where no doubt he probably feels pretty forgotten in the scheme of things and in the scheme of life and wondering what, what God's plan for his life is. You see, at 40 years old, uh, we, it's easy to say Moses blew it or Moses just messed up, but could we kind of emphasize that a little bit? Moses really messed up. At 40 years old, Moses really blew it. Moses made a big mistake, right? A lot of times we, we talk about sin or we, we talk about lies. At 40 years old, Moses committed murder. Moses committed murder. He, he tried to cover it up. He thought no one knew and then come to find out that, that word had spread that he was a murderer and he had to go on the run. He was a murderer that was forced on the run. And that is where we pick up his story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. 
We're going to hang out in these 14 verses today. So if you have your Bible, just open it up and, and kind of just begin to take in these 14 verses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. Can we jump into God's Word this morning? 11 o'clock, are you ready? You look the part, you look good. I don't hear you though. You, are you sure? Are you ready? There we go. We can make some noise in church a little bit, right? All right, verse 1, let's get into God's Word this morning. And God, we ask that you would speak to us through this scripture today. Verse 1, one day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness. He came to Sinai, which also was called at that time Mount Horeb. It, it, you know, we, we come to know it as the mountain of God. I'd be curious to know Moses' thoughts before his experience. It's the same mountain where years down the road in his life, God would give him the Ten Commandments, right? He's in the wilderness. He came to Sinai, the mountain of God. In verse 2, look what happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. We find Moses here in chapter 3. If you have a Bible, just kind of, kind of look at chapter 3 and then look at chapter 2. It's always interesting in Scripture how quickly things happen in the right context, okay? So in chapter 2 versus chapter 3, there has been a 40-year a gap in the life of Moses. How many of you would say 40 years is a long time, right? That's like we sit there. Like, there has been a 40-year difference, a 40-year gap between the moment he murdered this Egyptian taskmaster, master, Right? And the moment that Moses went on the run, he's gone from being a, a prince of Egypt, silver spoon, Bishop Gorman student. I'm teasing. They, they mentioned Evan. I love the heart cells, right? Some of us, us non-Gormanites laugh, right? But something good came out of Gorman, right? Evan heart cell. No, I'm, I'm teasing. One of our pastors went to Gorman on staff, and he's an amazing man. So I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, any Gorman students in the house, you'd say you're just jealous, right? Truth, truth. All right. Well, let's get into this. But, but, but Moses is a silver spoon type kid. He spent the first 40 years of his life in the palace courts. He spent the first 40 years of his life as an adopted son of the Pharaoh. This is a, a, a man who the first 40 years of his life, I think it's safe to assume he had a lot going for him. And now we fast forward 40 years later, this same man is now 80 years old. He's working for his father-in-law, watching sheep in a remote location. Wow. How time has changed. How things, how, 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 we could say how the mighty have fallen. Moses is now 80 years old. This is a pretty low profession that he is working at, right? The first 40 years of his life, he's living it up. And now he is totally out of the spotlight. He's in the wilderness working and working with sheep, no doubt. It's safe to say that I think Moses, his, his retirement plan has been crashed, right? His, his life has not panned out the way that he may have thought it would. It's not how I, this is not how I thought I would retire, working with sheep, leading sheep in a remote desert, all alone, right? Let's continue. Let's look at the end of verse 2. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. So what's unique about this situation, I'm sure we've all seen something on fire. Usually when there is a fire, you need fuel to continue the fire, correct? Right? So Moses sees this bush 
and there's no, there, there are no more, they're not, they're, it's not getting fed, and yet the bush doesn't burn up. It just keeps on burning. He takes a closer look. He says, would you look at verse 3? This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go and see it. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. See, in this season of life, Moses is in a physical wilderness, but quite possibly he also is in a spiritual wilderness in his relationship with God as well. Maybe that is a season that each of us can relate to. If you can relate to being in a spiritual drought, a, a, a physical season where you feel like you're just wondering, man, I'm just leading sheep, right? Whatever it may be. There is some good news. God did not forget about Moses. There's some good news for each of us as well is that God hasn't forgot about you, right? But there are some habits that we need to work on. There are some truths that we can pull out of this scripture and imply it, imply, uh, apply to our lives if we want to see God do something amazing, if we want to see God do something new, if we want to see God do something life-altering and changing over this 21 days of prayer and fasting. This week, as we were hanging out as a family, um, my kiddos were, I think they were outside playing, and it's been a little cold lately, and their feet were, were really cold. And we, we, we grabbed these little space heaters out of the garage. And I, Dad, I could have just turned up the heat, now that I think about it, right? Dad, Dad's in the house, right? I could have just like, that would have been easy. Let's turn it up, right? But we grabbed these space heaters, and the girls thought it was really cool because they have, they're little kids, and little kids have cute feet. Amen, right? They, have, they have just have cute toes, and they put their little toes right next to these, these two space heaters. We turned on the TV. We did a few more things. I think I turned on a humidifier. Then I, we turned on a diffuser. We had all these things going, and all of a sudden, we lost power in the downstairs part of our house, right? We just, and, and uh, me being a master electrician, I got it all turned on right away. No, I'm, man, I was looking for the breakers. I was looking for the switches in the walls that usually reset. I eventually figured it out. I had to go outside, actually, and we, a breaker had tripped, and I, I was able to get the lights turned back on, but it led to a conversation with each of my kids, my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old. They started asking, they, they literally said, Dad, where does the power come from? And I thought, I'm like, don't you guys, like, don't you just know? And in their little world, they're like, man, this has never happened. We've never lost power in the downstairs. This is something new to them. They're like, why did this all just shut off? And I said, well, we plugged in too many heaters. We plugged in too many things, and something just tripped and, 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 that, and then said, so, so dad, why do we have to plug things into the wall? And I'm sitting here like trying to think. I'm like, oh goodness, I'm going to call Envy Energy and see if they have a, a hotline to talk to children, right? Because I, I know nothing. But I, I, but I kind of ended up saying something like this. But I, I, I was saying it to my, my daughter Harper. and she's, she's seven. But I said, you know what, sweetie? We plug things into the wall because that is where the power is located. If we don't plug into that power, it's not going to charge your device, the, the TV won't work, all these different things. If we don't plug into that power source, if we don't connect to it, 
it's just not going to work, right? Clearly, I'm no electrician, but I was trying to explain this to her. But here's the idea. If you want to have a fresh encounter with God during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we have to go to the source. We have to plug into the source. We have to connect him. We got to get closer to him. And that's exactly what Moses actually did. We're going to break this scripture down a little bit. But there are some keys that I think, keys to transforming your life spiritually. Keys to having a life-changing encounter with God. How many of us want to have a life-changing encounter with God? Here's the first thing that we can do. Number one, you must plug into his presence. Number one, you, you, you've got to plug in to his presence. You've got to recognize where he is and you have to move yourself to that location. You've got to hang out where he is. Look at what Moses did. Would you look at verse three with me? Moses said, Wow, that's amazing. This is amazing. Why isn't that bush burning up? He said, I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, what's interesting, Moses, he, he, he sees something that he doesn't quite understand. He sees something that is miraculous. And, and, and you know what's interesting? He sees something that he doesn't understand. He doesn't walk away from it, does he? He doesn't just sit there and talk about it, but he goes in for a closer encounter. He begins to experience God. He says, man, I must go see it. You see, a lot of times in our wilderness moments where we are wondering, we say we want to experience God. We, we, we say we want more from him, but we really don't want to move ourselves and hang out where he is located. The reality for us is it, it, there's a part of each of us that enjoys a long distance type relationship with the Lord, right? We, we kind of like a long distance relationship. Like, you know, I, gotta, I, I like checking in with you when it's convenient. I like spending time with you when, when, when I can. But the reality is most often if we have a long distance relationship with the Lord, we are not going to have true, powerful, life transforming encounters with God. Moses has positioned himself for an encounter with the Lord. He sees this bush, but the bush wasn't burning up. This does not make sense. So Moses investigates. Moses didn't miss God just because something doesn't make sense. A lot of times when something in our lives happens that we question, that is hurtful, that is painful to understand, oftentimes when something doesn't make sense, I would say it like this, don't ignore it. Sometimes we just, something doesn't make sense, we want to push it down. We want to gossip about it. We want to complain about it. We want to talk about it. But I would say like this, don't run from it. We need to call on God in those situations that we don't understand. We need to call on him in a sense of prayer. God, investigating. God, what is it you're doing through this situation? Because I don't like it. I don't understand it. But God, I want to seek you and understand what it is you're speaking because he wants to speak to us. Often we talk about him. But he doesn't answer because we aren't actually seeking him. We're just mentioning him. Have you ever done that where like you, you, you talk to other people about someone more than you talk to the person? See, sometimes we do that with God, right? We, we talk to other people about how good he is, how amazing he is, yet we, we find ourselves not spending time with him and talking to him, just mentioning him to others. Verse 4, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him. Let's think about that for just a moment. When the Lord 
saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Notice this, only when Moses began to seek him, only when Moses got closer, only when Moses began to plug into the source of that fire, when he began to get closer and closer to that bush, he didn't get it, he didn't understand, but when Moses got closer, God began to do what? God began to speak. In that moment, God began to speak. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God then called to Moses. Verse 5, can we read this together this morning? Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And if we look at verse 7 through 9, some of this information is probably not all that new to Moses, right? He talks about the land where there's Canaanites and there's Hittites, there's Amorites, and the Jesuvites, they live, and the Lord tells Moses, look, I've heard the cry of the people. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now, all this information is great, but it's nothing really new to Moses. After all, he murdered an Egyptian because he saw how abusive he was to the Hebrews, correct? Right? Moses is aware of the suffering, but there's something in this section of Scripture that I want to kind of talk about for a minute because in church today, generally this is something that makes us quiet and uncomfortable, and it's, it's not something that we generally enjoy talking about. But look at verse 5. I don't want to miss this section if we read through it too fast. God said, Do not come any closer. The Lord warned him. Uh, notice it doesn't say the Lord invited him. The Lord was wishy-washy. The Lord said, hey, hey, maybe you'll be okay. No, no, no. He says, do not come closer, right? How many of us parents, we know like the difference in our tone, like a warning versus like a kind invitation, correct, right? It says the Lord warned Moses, don't you take one more step until you do this. Take off your sandals for you are standing, would you say it with me, on holy ground. See, in this passage, it's not the dirt, it's not the bush that is holy, but it is God's presence that is holy. There was nothing special about that very common thing, right, a, a bush in the middle of a desert. We live in Las Vegas, we can relate to bushes in the desert, correct, right? There's like millions of them, right? But it was holy because God's presence was located there. The second key to a transforming encounter with God, number two, is you must be willing to deal with sin. That's the, the one that in church quite often we, we don't always want to talk about, we don't always want to mention, but it is the reality to come, to come before a holy God that we must approach Him being clean. 
We must take off our shoes. Moses, take off those sandals. <laughs> like, I love, don't you take one more step till you take off those sandals because where you are standing is holy ground. I love that God's presence was found in such an ordinary thing, right? This was nothing special. God's presence, this bush had caught fire, but Moses was told, Moses, take off those sandals. Almost in a sense that God was saying, Moses, don't you bring that dirt before a holy God. Moses, don't you bring that unclean thing towards a holy God. Don't you bring that dirt into his presence. We can't get close enough to that fire, church. We can't get close enough to a holy God. We can't get close enough to that power source. We can't get close enough to the king of kings unless we put aside sin. I think of a, a, a brand new house, right? And, and what have you, you approached and you walked into this, this brand new house and it, it, for whatever reason, this person or you decided to put perfect white carpet in a brand new house. Great idea, right? No, I'm teasing. But just imagine like this brand new house full of white carpet. We wouldn't dare walk into someone's house if you see like, man, it's brand new. It smells brand new. Everything about it is fresh. We wouldn't dare walk in with messy, dirty, oily shoes and begin to walk all over someone's carpet with a sense of dirt and a sense of muck that you've collected throughout the day. Yet in some ways, we want to approach God with that very muck on our shoes, with that very muck, that, that dirtiness that is going on in our lives. In the same way, how much more should we worship Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and treat His presence as holy? See, Moses, I believe, knew and remembered the calling that God had on his life still. Maybe he was premature in the way that he took action. You, know, you could look back like 40 years ago. I'm sure the Moses that was 80 was much different and changed in many ways than the Moses that was 40. Maybe the Moses that was 40 was a little too quick to try to save the day, a little too quick to say, you know what? I'm going to take care of this situation my way. This is how the Egyptians do it, so this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to use my own methods. And maybe it just so happened that his own methods were a little too much like the methods of the culture that he had grown up in. The Egyptian culture that he had no doubt participated in. Maybe Moses had a whole lot more of Egypt in him than he had God in him. Think about that for just a moment. If we want to see God do something amazing in our lives, how much of the world do you have in you versus how much of God do you have in you? There's a, a problem there. Now, God is going to send Moses back to Egypt. He's going to send him back 40 years later. This shepherd that's been tending to sheep, this shepherd that should have no shot against the Pharaoh. And God is going to send him back, and he's going to say, I'm going to be your power source. I'm going to be the reason you accomplish these things. See, only God began to speak to Moses after Moses took care of that which was dirty. Do you notice that in Scripture? God begins to tell Moses the plan after he took off his dirty shoes. God begins to speak to Moses about what he's going to do after Moses removed that sin that might have been holding him back. 
God can't do what we want him to do too often because there is too much culture in us. There's too much sin in us, and so it limits him. Number 10, or verse 10, would you read it with me? God said, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And remember, this is the very mountain where they will receive the Ten Commandments, or as we called them last summer, the Tender Commandments, right? These rules and directives to place a hedge of protection around God's chosen people, not to keep them out and away from doing things, but to keep them protected. Verse 13, Moses protested again, if I go to the people of Israel, they remember this, hello, and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. <laughs> I can't help but think Moses has to leave this encounter scratching his head just a little bit. He's seen the burning bush, he's seen the miracle, but then he says, God, I need a name. Who am I to say? Who has sent me? And he, God's response is, I am who I am. And Moses is thinking, you know, I'm a nobody. I, I, need, some, I need some name recognition. You need to back me up in this. Moses understands, you think about it, Moses his first 40 years of his life, he was a somebody. He was recognized by the culture in the world at that time. And for the last 40 years, he has become a nobody. The only thing he has led are sheep in the wilderness. And now Moses is being told to go back and lead a nation out of Egypt. He's being told to go back and take on the most powerful man in the known world at the time, the superpower of the known world at the time, See, another key to a transforming encounter with God is number three. It's right from this scripture. Trust that I am will deal with your situation. That he will deal with your situation and that he can deal with this situation. I am who I am. Right? It's this idea that, you know what, God exists because he exists. Moses, you don't need a clear explanation. I am who I am. Moses, don't depend on yourself. I am who I am, right? We're dependent on him. When you think about it, even when we are far away from God, when you look back on your life, you realize in many ways you were dependent on God without even actually knowing it. God says his name is I am who I am. I think of it like this way. I am who I am. I sit on the throne of eternity. I am beyond time. I am beyond space. I am beyond anything that you can comprehend or even understand. And so I am capable of dealing with your situation, Moses. Moses is a man who lost all confidence. He's a man that has been leading sheep. He has lost sight of his purpose. Moses says, God, uh, excuse me, who am I? What am I supposed to do about this situation? Look at verse 11. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? 
Who am I to lead the people out of Israel? I can't appear before Pharaoh. I haven't been doing anything, right? God's response is, Moses, just because you've been leading sheep for 40 years doesn't mean you can't now lead people, right? But I need you to do one thing, Moses. I need you to recognize that I am who I am, and I need you to have complete and total dependence on me because your method was to take care of the situation yourself your method was to just whack this guy to take him out Las Vegas mafia style right and God's methods we're gonna see are totally different than anything Moses can possibly think of God's gonna start off by sending him before the Pharaoh and his staff is gonna turn into a snake and there's gonna be plagues and there's gonna be there's gonna be methods to fighting that Moses has never seen nor heard of nor could ever imagine but God says, Moses, you need to depend on me to face this opponent. Because this Pharaoh, Moses, you probably grew up with him. You probably know him. You are no match for him. You're no match for his politics. You're no match for his, his bank account. You're no match for his soldiers. You're no match for him in any way, shape, or form. Moses wasn't, but God is saying, I am who I am. So there's three things this morning. If you desire a life-changing, life-transforming encounter with our God, there's three quick things. Is the first one, we got to plug into his presence. You got to plug into his presence. Number, number two, you, you, you got to take off those sandals. You got to clean off those shoes. You got you to confess that sin. You have to deal with sin. The Bible says, come before me clean. Approach him on holy ground because his very presence is holy. I, I, I think of it like this. There are times in my life I need to get the world out of me. I need to get the culture out of me, the way I think out of me, because I'm thinking more like them and less like my God. That's what God is challenging Moses to do. Number three, trust in I am. When you face a Pharaoh in your life, God says, I am who I am. Maybe you're here this morning and that Pharaoh takes shape in a different way. Each of us probably are facing something. You say, you know what, that is an enemy too great for me right now. That is a mindset that I am ill-equipped to handle. That is something that I cannot conquer. And God says, oh, you are right. You cannot conquer it. So let me see if I can get involved here. If you will come to me clean and let me get involved. Because I am who I am. And I am, I can come and I can handle this situation because I will be your provision. I will be your power. I will be your sustainer. I will be your victory. Because God says, if I live in you greater, is he who what? Lives in me than is what? In the world. Somebody say amen to that. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today. And Lord, we trust and we declare that God... It, it doesn't all make sense to us. We don't know the plan completely. But your word says, I am who I am. Tell the Israelites, I am who I am. I am can restore the years lost. I am can restore Moses. I am can restore the calling. I am who I am can take on that opponent, that Pharaoh that I am no match for. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this transforming encounter that can still speak to us today through the life of Moses. God, we thank you for transforming and altering his life. 
God, we thank you for the transforming encounter that took place at the cross. And Lord, we pray for a fresh encounter with you in our world, in our country, in our community, in our city, in our homes. But most of all, Lord, before any of that, we pray for a transforming encounter for ourselves. For me first, for my own life, for your own life. One of the greatest ways we can begin to see God work is through a humble heart. One that is not afraid to take off those shoes in the presence of God because He is holy. See, often we want something from God, but we don't want to surrender whatever it is that is dirty in His presence. God, I pray that we would have a spirit of repentance in this house. A spirit of repentance for those that are watching online. A spirit of repentance that would just ring out for generation to generation. That God, our, our kids and our grandkids and our sons and our daughters and our granddaughters and our husbands and our wives, God, that all of us would be a people that model repentance. recognize that you are holy. Would you pray this with me this morning? Lord, I want to get into your presence. Would you just say that? You don't need to say it out loud, but just in your mind, would you say, Lord, I want to help me get into your presence. Lord, help me deal with sin. Lord, help me call it what it is and not make an excuse anymore. God, help me come before you clean. Would you say this morning? And Lord, help me trust and I am who I am. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to acknowledge belief in Jesus. You want to acknowledge that, you know what, you, you have walked away or you have never made a decision to put some hope and all your trust and all your faith in Jesus. The Bible said that while we were still sinners, Jesus took on that cross. He didn't take on the cross so we can stay the same, so we could keep on doing what we want to do, so we could keep sinning, but he, he took on the cross to bring about change, to bring about mercy, to bring about grace, and to bring about forgiveness. If that's you this morning, if you say, you know what, I need to just confess where I've been and where I have been is far away. And Jesus, I need to come back to you now. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand? Would you just lift your eyes? Go ahead and just lift them up and just say, yep, I need you, God. I need you. Can we pray this together, church? God, I need you. Jesus, I need saving. I don't exactly know why I'm even here today or listening today, but God, I humble myself and I ask for your forgiveness in my life. I ask for mercy. God, I need the gift of eternal life. I need forgiveness. God, I ask that you would do a reversal. God, I ask for a life-changing, transforming encounter with you. And that encounter begins, that encounter has a name, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray during this 21 days of fasting and in prayer, God, that you would give us the tools.
God, that you would make a way. God, that you would part Red Seas. God, that you would fight battles. God, that you would do things that we can't even imagine. God, would you do something life-transforming in our midst, but most of all, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, all God's people prayed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it is so good to be in his house. Can we just praise him and say, God, we, we thank you today. A few quick things we want you to be aware of um, as you go today. Remember to check in with us. We're, we're getting back in the groove, and I believe as, as, as we do get through this season and as we walk through and as people get healthier, God, there are a lot of things to get involved with. We've got Crave this Tuesday night for the ladies. We've got a Beloved Daughters Young Ladies Conference coming up. We've got a Marriage Conference. And so there are so many different things happening at Cornerstone that we want you to be a part of. And we want you to be a bringer and an inviter. Would you give someone a, a smile? And um, if you want to shake someone's hand on the way out, go for it. But we can all say, hey, God loves you and throw a smile their way. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.